We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. We're here for the weekend, the wild card weekend already today. We're recording on a Saturday. The Houston Texans have come back from 16-0 down to upset the, well, not, well, I guess it's upset when you come back from 16-0 down, but to beat the Buffalo Bills to move on. And right now the Patriots and Titans are playing. Just to let you know when and where we're recording, 
Mike, on your Saturday night, taking time out. How you doing? Man, doing well, man, doing well. Man, it's kind of feeling weird that uh, our lovely Rams are going to be sitting at home, but uh, it's been some great games so far. It's been interesting to watch these two teams go out of Houston and Buffalo. I thought for sure Buffalo had this thing, and then Houston just pulled a rabbit out of their hats, man. I can't believe that. And it's a little bit of a center watching the Patriots and Titans first quarter there. Was a 7-3 at one point now. Patriots now lead 10-7. to Derrick Henry running eight carries for two yards in that game thus far, but Tom Brady has 106 yards passing. Something tells me Tom Brady just isn't quite done yet. Again, that's 10-7. Not that it matters. By the time you guys listen to this episode, it'll be, you know, Sunday night. So just a little bit of where we are. So, Mike, now the season's over, and immediately two things have been going on this week. Okay, and that's outside of the Hall of Fame discussion, where we now know that Isaac Bruce and Tortorella are both finalists in that top fifteen to uh, be part of the new class. I have questions about that one if they can make that happen or not. We'll find out. But besides that, the news kind of just talking through Rams football this week is okay. Salary cap, whether Rams going to do the on this offseason, what they do with coaches, and that'll be a discussion for those for coaches because coaches are going to be in for meetings this week. And then, of course, the ever, ever amazing discussion, the one that never stops on Rams Twitter, on Rams social media in general, the uniform question. And, um, hmm, I think we better tackle that today. So two things we want to tackle. We do want to give you that in-depth look at the salary cap structure right now for the Rams, where they are, where they're going, where we think they're going. I have several different little theories in mind. I gave Mike a little bit of a heads up for once that the uh, that the Rams um, the plan for this tonight would be the salary cap. So I'm hoping he comes with some some game. Who am I kidding? Mike always comes with game, right, Mike? We try to. <laughs> <laughs> there was a kind of an awkward pause ever. I'm like, is he thinking? I mean, is he actually considering this? Putting a little pressure. Put a little pressure. I have to, you know. But you know what? The great ones always come through under pressure. Just saying. I'm just saying. Spe- hey, hey, Mike, by the way, speaking of coming through under pressure, I don't know if you caught this the other day, but on Friday, I roll into the doctors, right? You ready for this? Let's go. I got my surgeon looks at my knee. The uh, Nice. The PT looks at my knee, the PT doctor. They both say, whoa, extension, flexing. You're going back to work. I'm going back to work on Monday. Bam! Finally wow, back in the man. in the saddle, back in the classroom. Finally excited to go back. It's one reason why we change recording times now. Get back in the school mode, and most importantly, getting back in and in, in, uh, teaching some history. Can't wait. So there you go, recovering. How's nice. things been on your end? Hey man, you know, just uh, winding down this last close to forty eight hours before. Yeah, we're back at the on campus as well. But you know, got a lot of stuff done uh, over this break, and so uh, I'll be starting back school here pretty quick and doing some stuff for a little bit of a clear up a credential. So uh, yeah, man, we're full bore. We might have to change the name of this podcast. I mean, <laughs> both of us teaching and all. I got like a professor or something like that. This, the Professor's Podcast. Go. All right, so before we even get into the main content here, we do want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can, can be found. We're sponsored by Jim Hawk, 
This book haul was seen greatly with the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. And listen, if you haven't had a chance to read that book, we'll talk about it more later, but it's worth it. If you have a chance to find us on Facebook or on social media, come find us. We have been engaging more and more in conversation about the things that matter. And I'm going to put that in parentheses there because some people don't think they matter. Some people do. We'll see. Um, on social media, that's been the uniforms. has been salary cap. And that's what I want to break it down today. So first things first here, just to kind of give you a breakdown. Or Hey, do you want to do the breakdown here? You, you got your sheet up there, Mike? Oh, yep. which one, man? The, uh, the salary cap structure 2020. Yeah. Okay. So right now, SMA cap space it, for top 51 is $23 million. $23.7 million. The adjusted cap is $207 million. When you look down this sheet here, where do you see places to cut? This immediately. And then there's, there's just to kind of let people know there are five contracts right now we're going to set aside and take a deeper look at. That's Jared Goff, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, and Rob Havenstein. Going down the rest of the roster, is there anybody you would cut this offseason to try and get some money back? Man, it's it's you know, it's thin. It's thin cutting. Thin cutting. Yeah, I mean because for those that you think that you might want to cut to free up cap space, I know it's going to have to happen. Uh, but you still have to replace those guys, and that's that's where the, the you know the sleight of hand comes in, like. Switch a guy out, lower cap, get a guy in. I mean, at a higher cap, get a guy in at a lower cap. Uh, but hopefully he can play to the ability that, that needs to be played for that position. Yeah. And then looking at dead cap numbers already. Number, dead cap numbers already are pretty low, believe it or not. They only have right, right now in dead cap money they owe is 387.593. That's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. Right. So, well, let's look. There. In terms of players on the roster, I mean, they can cut several of these role guys. Travin Howard, though, I think is somebody who showed out. Jake Gervais. Eh. Chandler Brewer was someone that saw some time. Kendall Blanton, they seem to like him. But he's cuttable at 585 and, and no dead uh, dead money. They like Natrez uh, Patrick. They like Troy Reader. Nick Scott, they liked him. See, we're getting some of these guys they drafted now, like Nick Scott and David Edwards at 651. He would, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's staying. Kenny Young, if they decide to cut him at $660,000, he barely played. Uh, Jameel Demby, if he never saw a game in Rams uniform again, I think we'd all be happy. So there's a good chance they can cut him. Who else are you yeah, seeing but, going you know, out? Yeah, and and but you know even if you look at a guy like that, I mean he's only like point three of the cap. So oh, they're just trying to find money. I period. Mean. I mean, yeah, it, it I mean, adds but, up. That's what the know, real so problem is. The trick is going to be if you let a guy like Dimby go, you still got to now hopefully maybe in the draft you're going to have to find someone to replace. You know what I mean? That's one of the the top areas by most people who are viewing the Rams and suggest 
areas of need, O-line comes up. Well, sure, but part of the problem during the season was when Denby was playing, and he did a horrible job. Period. And this is what, this was his second year in the Ram system. At least it was mostly the Ram system. He went a couple other places in between, and the guy couldn't pass block for anything. The guy was a mess. I don't see a future for him right now the way they lost all faith in him. As a Ram, I don't see it. They have a better chance at a guy like Chandler Brewer down there who actually stepped in and saw some snaps and no one complained about him this year, of him making the team uh, long-term and, and them getting some else to the draft as well. And and that's where we got to talk about Havenstein. Will Rob Havenstein be a guy that we're hearing him being talked about being traded, and I'm thinking, whoa, 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 not so fast. He's tempting to trade him, but he had one bad season, was a pretty good right tackle before that, had his issues before, but he was pretty good. Are you sure you want to throw this baby out the bathwater, especially if Bobby Evans has moved over to left tackle, if um, you know Whitworth moves on? That's what I'm looking at right here, and the chart is like, you got to think about those things. I'm thinking about um Yeah, I think a lot of the, you know, it's gonna fall, you know, is Big Wit back or not. And if Big Wit is back, how much of a pay cut will he take? Because he will need to take a pay cut. He cannot come back at that same rate. There's no yeah, way they I mean, can't they're not eleven two uh last season, so but you know, a guy like that, plenty of years, yeah, how much is a pay cut? You know, do they backload it, you know, making uh seven Eight million dollar guy, backloaded with you know incentives for the make up the three million. I don't know. Man, be, be a question. I just uh, honestly from the Rams, I'm saying, listen, come back real cheap, and you'll have a job with us for life. Serious. Well, you'll be you'll be a Ram and part of our organization for life. That's the kind of guy you want in your organization. You want him yeah, to retire so- and come work for you. That's the kind of guy you want. And so yeah, I would, now if it, they have something, you know, kind of set in stone where he's somewhat a player coach, you know what I mean? Where they figure, hey, man, we want you here for camp, teach these young guys. Obviously, maybe we're we're moving on and, you know, you're already going to be working into the coaching role. You know, I don't know. You know, a guy like Witt seems like he wants to do his time and then maybe go be with his family. Yeah, and that's what I would. I'm just kind of. I'm, I'm curious, and I would hope. I really, really hope that he is. Um, that he's a part of the equation. I know he wasn't the same guy this year that he had been in the past, but his leadership was so. It's just so valuable. You don't want to let this guy go, even if he's part of the organization somewhere else. He's the kind of guy you want around as a lifer. That's just how I view it. Don't let him go. I'm hoping that's the case. Now, of course. As a fan, you're hoping that, but it doesn't always work. Uh, looking at the roster here, Justin Lawler was out all year. They they still they still seem to like him. And I wonder if they'll give him a chance to make the team. Sebastian Joseph, he's at uh, six hundred ninety-eight thousand. If you cut him, you say six hundred thousand dollars. I think they want to keep him. He saw some big time this year. Saw some improvements in some areas. Okorowankro, Michael Kaiser, Greg Gaines. Those are all guys that they have invested some time in. Tenzel Smart made the team this year over um, John Franklin Myers. And he we, we didn't hear his name much at all this year, though. 
He's getting paid seven seventy six. These are small fries numbers. O'Brien Allen, uh, he'll be back. We'll see if he can adjust from his rough first year. Bobby Evans, Samson Ebicom, Ebicom. These are all, if you cut these guys, these are smaller dead cap numbers, but you want them. Josh Reynolds is a guy I think they're going to be trying to do something with next year, whether it be to renew him or uh, trade him. I think they're one renew him. David Long, Joe Noteboom, they have he was coming around when he got hurt. Yeah. Daryl Daryl Henderson. That's the Joe Noteboom's a tragic one, isn't it? He was just figuring out the left side of the line and tear that ACL. That's a bummer. Uh, uh, Daryl right. Henderson. But, you know, Henderson, you know, he's gonna be here. Yeah. Uh, John Johnson, that's a guy they're gonna they're gonna want to renew. That's your they're going to package him with Taylor Rat for years. I don't see that that happening. His contrast coming soon. Jake McQuaid, long time long snapper, one of the better ones in the league. I don't see them letting him go. He's getting paid under a million. Now here's the first one I thought may become a cut. And tell me if you think I'm off on this. I've been a long time believer that Malcolm Brown can be a starter in the NFL. He's also been a little right. injury prone. Okay, if they cut him, they will save over a million dollars. Right. Now we're starting to get into an area where they can get some money on your on your um, on the practice squad. John Kelly's sitting there, or was sitting there. Make sure he's still there or not. Is he? No. Hold on. Where is John Kelly? He's sitting there dead cap, so I'm I'm wrong. Nope. They don't have him on here. I missed something, man. I missed it. We'll come back to him. We'll see where John Kelly is. I, I apologize for missing that. Put my eye off the ball. No, he's they gone. got him down for, you know, 2020 dead cap. Yeah, it means he's probably gone, like Dakota Allen's gone. You see think? Here. Yeah, I'm going to check real quick. We'll... Because this might be off. It's, okay. These things get kind of a little stinky with late season moves and people getting hurt. I'll come back to that. Uh, Taylor Rapp, we know he's not going anywhere. Uh, Cooper Cup, of course, not going anywhere. Jill Everett, there's been some folks mentioning to trade him. What do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on him? If, if they can get out, get him out of here, it'll save him over a million dollars. Well, I guess if they want to go now to, you know, I mean, obviously Higby had a, a bang up year, but you got to have somebody who can play. But again, now we're talking when you get down, it's like Malcolm Brown. He would become a casualty of a cap because you have a rookie in Daryl Henderson who's not going anywhere, and Malcolm Brown isn't better than him per se. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or so significantly better. So Malcolm Brown could be a cap casualty. Gerald Everett, he showed some flashes early. But once Higby got in there, he just kind of faded. So I don't know what their plan is. But, yeah, now you're talking about almost $2 million you're saving in, in cap. And then Malcolm Brown will be another one. You know, you're now $3 million just off two two players. Yeah, and but the way... You know the way he he was coming on before his injury, 
I mean, I look at Gerald Everett as being a guy who the Rams can be much more flexible. How about this? They were so reliant on 11 personnel in 2018, they were forced to look at 12 personnel this year. But having a deep receiving core and developed tight end core, all of a sudden this offense is much more able to deal with the garbage that the Patriots threw at them and the Lions threw at them and the Bears threw at them last year and it leaked into this year. I don't want to let Gerald Everett go. At least not yet. No, no, I, I totally agree. But unfortunately, these are the things where good players end up on other teams because of the salary cap that gets, you know, somewhat skewed because you're putting a lot of the money into, you know, your top maybe two to four guys and everybody else eventually becomes a casualty of the cap. And the problem with Joe Everett is he's going to be turning 27 next year as an undrafted free agent. And we all knew when they when they picked him up, it was going to be a bit of a developmental time with him. He was a rough around the edges guy. And just as we're seeing him get there, the Rams kind of have to make a decision on him. Otherwise, he walks next year as a free agent. just want to point that out. Do they, what do they want to do with him? They have to decide pretty soon. Again, it, right now it's a dead cap if they let him go, which I don't think they will. They would probably try and trade him of $633,000, which would be a one two eight nine savings. And then, I mean, you're getting to going back here, John Johnson. You're not letting him go, but his contract's coming up soon. Josh Reynolds, same. And here, Gerald Everett. Malcolm Brown would be a guy I think you would consider letting go. And that's because Daryl Henderson's there. It'd save you about a million dollars. So that mid, that mid-center group there, before we jump up to the next tier of, of salary have some questions that are even sitting out in front of us, and we're not even getting into the big number folks. Now, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Gerald or Josh Reynolds? <sighs> nah, yes. What makes that difficult is Brandon Cooks. Can the Rams get Brandon Cooks back on the offense, and can Brandon Cooks stay healthy? Because the next, to me, the next Rams receiver who can become that deep threat is Josh Reynolds. They haven't used him that way, but he has a stride to be right. that that guy. So that's where it's difficult for me. The Rams have to decide they're going to do Brandon Cooks. We're about to talk about him in a couple of minutes. That's a pretty big concern to me. So when we talk about free agency, Mike, a lot of folks get real simple: get rid of the Cooks or get rid of. Uh, get rid of Goff. We've heard some people saying that, which is not going to happen. Right. You you got to sign no. both Fowler and Littleton back. There are so many complications in there at the lower pay areas of the roster because some of those guys are going to be guys that get paid later on. It's n- this is not going to be an easy offseason, not by a long shot. Not at all. I'm still looking just to make sure what the deals with John Kelly. John Kelly, his name is... Okay, so he's listed for the Rams on the practice squad. So, all right. He's not listed on on track right now. It threw me off. I'm like, where is he at? So he is... 
here's my my think my thinking here is this: Where do they stand on John Kelly? If they want to avoid drafting their running back this year, would they be comfortable with John Kelly as their their number three back, having Daryl Henderson as number two and Todd Gurley as number one? Would they be comfortable with that and and go out there and grabbing a couple guys for undrafted free agents post draft? Let Malcolm Brown go save a million bucks. Yeah, so that's that's what you're talking about in regards to at the end of the day, where are you gonna you know are you gonna go more twelve personnel where you need another tight end? We got two good ones that that we deem are absolutely justifiably uh, should be on the team playing big roles, or are you more of a ten personnel or eleven with more three four wides? where you now do need a Reynolds to add in with the mix of guys that you have. Again, given the health that everybody's healthy, we saw that Cooper Cuff made a great comeback, ended up probably the most productive, uh, not probably, but he was considered the most productive slot receiver in the league last year. So you can imagine next year he'll be all the way back and he'll hit the, come out the gate smoking. The problem, though, the Rams have is when they have so many weapons, there's never really a consistent star for them. And so you don't know really how the Rams evaluate them behind the scenes because there's never that obvious guy. Cooper Cup caught 94 balls this year for 1,161 yards, but a lot of that production was earlier in the year. His production fell off as the tight ends emerged. Robert Woods right behind him, 90 catches, 1,134 yards. Tyler Higby, 69 catches. Tyler Higby, by the way, came on late, but that 69 catches, that that's a bit of a surprise. Gerald Everett, 37, 408. Brandon Cooks, 42, 583. That's Josh Reynolds, 326. Man, Josh Reynolds is the big question because he's better than that. You know, the Rams really have to make a decision here on where he is. And the same for Brandon Cooks. Is he a guy right. who can be your future? But can you reconnect for me where, in your view, the Malcolm Brown thing has anything to do with Josh Reynolds? Because I'm like, because you made that comment. I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, the thing is, now just break it down to like backs, Okay. Malcolm Brown, you know, statistically uh, 69 attempts, 255. You had the rookie, Daryl Henderson, 39 attempts, 147, right? You can easily do without Malcolm Brown probably more than you could do without either Everett or Reynolds, if that makes sense, based on... Todd Gurley being the starter again next year. Daryl Henderson, quote-unquote, now filling in for Malcolm Brown and being the second go-to guy. And then also, it really depends on where the Rams want to go because how they used the running backs this year was a big difference. They were nearly absent coming on the backfield, which is not how the Rams have done things in the past under Sean McVay. That was, I think that hurt him, by the way. That lacking that that kind of fear factor of a running back in the backfield and causing problems. That was that's something I would hope they want to reach to. Well, if you want that on your team, then you need to have a guy like Daryl Henderson active as well. That's just one of his strengths. 
Malcolm Brown becomes a little bit more expendable in that situation. In this case, though, where you want to spell Todd Gurley, and Malcolm Brown is a little bit of a bruiser, I, I as much as I can find, hey, it's a million dollars sitting right there. I'm hesitant to let him go. Now, what do you do with John Kelly? That's the question. Like, you know, when the Rams drafted him, there were people all over the place saying, watch John Kelly, watch what he does. He's going to be a player. And he gave a couple flashes early on, then he's been pretty non existent ever since. And then the Rams drafted Daryl Henderson, and we're like, well, I thought they were going to develop John Kelly. They even let John Kelly go at one point, a couple times, got back in the practice squad. So what's happened with him that the Rams have not pushed him into the equation? Makes you wonder. I don't know. Right, but but if we base the numbers on the Rams traditionally, just based on maybe this year and last couple of years, they're going to usually have three backs active, right? So yeah, this year it was Gurley, Brown, and Henderson, for right? The most part. For the most part. Okay, so if you take Brown out, then you're talking Gurley, Henderson, and possibly John Kelly or some other combination of a back they were to pick up or draft or something like that. The thing is, Malcolm Brown gives you very solid. Obviously, Henderson is more of a young, younger version. Uh, John Kelly should have been a little bit further ahead, given that he's been in the system. So, yeah, there's a question on, well, what happened? You know, was it the fact that, oh, we, we drafted Daryl Henderson, so we have to go with our draft guy, or did Daryl Henderson actually show that he was better? Well, here's the thing, okay? Of all these running backs to the roster, who would you trust to carry the rock if Todd Gurley were to get hurt? Uh, if we had him right now, let's based just say, on production, well, I mean, based let's just, on production and what you see in the field, Brown. So, I'm, I'm rethinking this idea because at for one million one hundred thirty-seven dollars total, and if I really believe that Malcolm Brown could start for other teams in this league, why in the world would I be saying cut him to save million dollars? Right, but I'm telling you, that's the stuff that happens because if you're trying to create cap space, it's something your hand gets forced. Yeah, it does. It does. And then you look up here, like here's another example. Okay, you move, move to Gerald Everett, and I think they will have to do something with him soon. They got to decide what they want with him. Uh, Troy Hill, he's he makes $3.4 million. He set up big time this year. Uh, there's no way they're going to let him go. He would save 2.9 if they cut him. But Nikhil Roby Coleman, a very good slot guy, would think, well, we're crazy letting him go, right? He'd save $4.5 million. And if you think you have a guy who can come in there and play the slot at least halfway decent, do you risk it? Because that's $4.5 million for a slot guy. Right. He's one of the better slot but, guys in the league, sure. But it's still $4.5 million. Absolutely. So that's where, you know, when we talk about a Troy Hill, 
do you now make him a slash slot guy and bring someone else to play an outside guy? I mean, I don't know. But yeah, uh, so I mean, these are all know. the little pieces that you start figuring and, you know, moving these chess pieces around to see, hmm, let me see how this works. Let's see how that works. And, you know, you're going to see, obviously, uh, like you said, we haven't even gotten to the meat of some of these, you know, free agents that are up that absolutely need to be on this squad. But at the end of the day, yeah, if we're just looking at right now, you know, I'm just basing it just if we're just factoring just based on numbers, you going with three running backs and you say, well, we have to save some money somewhere. Hmm. Okay, if we let Malcolm go, we still got the rookie. They're on a basically rookie contract. You still got the young gun, John Kelly, somewhat on a rookie contract, but he's not even a cap hit of a hundred grand. So that's like real chump change, if if you will. But obviously, if he's active roster, it'd be a little bit more. But yeah, you got to figure out: are we more four wide, you know, three wide? Or too wide, too tights. You know what? What are we going to be? That's why you know I'd love to be you know fly on the walls right now because this is how they're going to probably break it down. Hey, coach, what do you think we are next year? Are we back to two eighteen? Feeding girly, feeding girly, strike you deep. You know we don't need this guy. We really didn't need the tight ends that much. You know we feed girly, feed girly, strike you deep, score. You know, are we more of a mixture of what we were the last three to four or five games where we saw Higby get loose on people? And now we're more of that type of offense. Yeah, but you know what? Gerald Everett was, quote unquote, healthier at the end of the year. They didn't play him. And that tells me something. I mean, so they probably, knowing Sean McVay, he wants people to throw the football. Yeah, but I don't put a lot in the healthy because at times we felt like we had a healthy Tar Gurley, but they weren't really running him. Yeah. Right? Yes. Which makes us think like, well, maybe he's not really healthy. So some of it I'm thinking as he says, oh, well, you know, at least what Coach McVay will say at the press conference, well, the, the scheme and the game and this and that. So uh, because, yeah, before – he, you know, was banged up. Uh, he he was doing a bang up job as well at the tight end position. Ever it was so. Yeah, good questions, man. All right, so moving on here, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm keeping Brown. That's just too good of a bargain for me as my backup running back, who I think can be a starter. I can't do it. Um, Nikhil Roby Coleman, as good as he is, you know what? I know some folks are going to oppose me on this. I'm cutting them. I got a young David Long Jr. in there. Can't sit around forever. He's a round draft pick. He's been sitting and learning all year. I got other guys I can kind of work in the system here. I'm willing to take this shot and save some money. See what happens. He's a slot guy. He's a very good slot guy, but I'm taking the shot. Johnny Hecker makes $4.687 million. If you, if you cut him, He's a $3.5 million dead cap. doesn't make sense at that point. You might as well just pay him. Eric Weddle, a safety at $4.7 mil. You cut him, he'll save you $4.25 mil. I think you cut him easily. 
I just think you do. Uh, here's my real question. Clay Matthews, you brought this up before. He makes 5.7 next year, a $2 million cap hit. So if you cut him, he had 3.75 uh, savings for you. What do you do there? Again, you're talking, yeah, how are they going to go at the linebacker? Because, and and maybe what happens uh, depending on, you know, who the defensive coordinator ends up being, that may play into it as well. Yeah, I, I would also think, you know, I would also talk to him about restructuring and maybe even adding a year to his contract if you want to keep him. Lowering the rate, um, spraying it over two years because listen, we'd like you to stay an extra year if you want, but we're trying to bring in help for you. Would you be willing to take a little bit of cut to help us do that? Can you restructure a little more? Otherwise, three point seven five—that's money that can be put towards signing Corey Littleton or Dexter Fowler Jr. Because you got to sign Jalen Ramsey's offseason too, right? That's the goal. You want to sign him? Yeah, you want to get him locked up for a number of years more earlier yeah. than later. So yeah. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I think you would want to try and get him now because once he gets a full season as a Ram, he's going to prove his value there. They're, they're going to pay him more because <laughs> no you know, what they saw this year was not was not a healthy immersion to the system, Jalen Ramsey. I'm looking at Rob Havenstein here. And Rob Havenstein is the guy that keeps talking about training. His dead cap right now is $6.1 million. Right. So just getting... A, um, just opening up that, that number on him. Opening up his contract real quick here. We've been talking longer than I thought we would. That's okay. We need we haven't we've been talking about these numbers, but we haven't gotten knee deep into them. For Rob Havenstein, if they cut him before six one, they will get a cap saving of one point six. If they trade him though, it will be a two point four million cap hit. This is what's tempting. And a five point four million cap savings. And if somehow, some way, they can wait till after June first and trade them, then Havistein will save them seven million dollars. They'll take an eight hundred thousand dollar cap hit next year and a one point six million in uh, twenty twenty one for a total dead cap hit. Uh, sorry, total cap savings of seven million dollars for twenty twenty. That's tempting to trade. The problem is. He's your only experienced tackle on the roster. If right, that if Whitworth doesn't come back, and we've talked about this, I suspected that he was carrying a little bit of an injury throughout the year because he's always been a little slow off his right side. He was really slow off his right side for much of the year and getting beat badly. And on one, I've been thinking that injury. I think was lingering for a while there. And the Rams may be making a mistake by letting this guy go. $7 million a year, $7.8 million a year for a guy who is an experienced, legit right tackle who has been a good start in the past. It might not be a wise thing to do. But he could save you some money if you trade him. What do you think? Yeah, so that's that's where it lies. Are we trading, getting somewhat of an equal value, right? Or are we going to hook our wagon to, hey, we're going to let Rob go, talk with in the stand another year, go in the draft. Now you're playing with 
young guys again. So if O-line is one of your needs, then you're going to want that to be an experienced group. So do you stay with a Rob and figure out, you know, what was going on and get him back up to full speed, you know, get some of the guys that were gone last year back up to full speed. And now we have more of that line that we saw in 2018 as opposed to this year. So, mm-hmm. but looking at, you know, just dollars and cents, yes, you, you could get to a lot of savings real quick there. Now, uh, Tyler Higby, next on the list, just signed extension for four years, $29 million. It hasn't even kicked in yet. There's actually potential out in his contract after this year. Sorry, they'll, they'll play one year on the contract next year. So it, let's just say he comes back to earth next year, completely falls flat. They'll have the opportunity at the end of next year to cut bait with him and take a much smaller dead cap hit. I don't foresee that. He really kind of came on this year. He's been, always been a viable blocker. They, they know what they have in him now, but they definitely won't be doing anything with him this year. Going through to Robert Woods at the 9 so, point... let me ask you this, Derek. Sure. What if you package a deal with a Higby and a Robert, Robert Havenstein? Could happen. And go get... Uh, What's a tackle that sat out for Washington this year? Trent Williams. Trent Williams. We sat out after also having cancer. I'm not sure how much of a risk they want to take. He's going to be 32. Do you True. take that risk? But, well, that's, again, you know, you're taking risks. You get a guy who maybe wants to change this. Not maybe. He wants to change the scenery. Does he want to go play with, you know, Ron Rivera? Great coach. He may love his style and may now want to stay. Not sure. But let's just say he's like, man, I'm just over the whole thing. I want to change the scenery. And a guy 32 at his age, you know, I always think of my good buddy Jackie Slater, you know, a guy that takes care of himself and things like that. I mean, a good tackle. uh, He may have another good five years left. He might. You might. Yeah. All right, so this is going much deeper than we thought yeah. it would go. So we're going to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor, Jim Hawk, who's been an amazing part of our team here for a couple of years now. Most of us are probably addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, listen, if you want to learn more about the Rams or history, where they've been, while we're making a big deal out of these uniform changes, and it's, trust me, it's part of it, Check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood Teen Great Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. We're talking about Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Cresley, Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. And all these stories spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodTeen.com and on Twitter, Hollywood Team. It's available both in hardback, electronic form, paperback, all these wonderful places. You can find also the book in any bookseller on the internet. Folks, I've read cover to cover. A large portion of our staff has. It's a great read. It's a really great read. And it helps out Homeboy Industries, an organization out there in the LA area that gets people out of the gang life on to being productive members of society. It's, tr- it's worth it. Check it out. Hollis Teen, Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. Okay, so moving on. 
into this structure here. The next guy on the list is Robert Woods. He's a bargain at $9.1 million. <laughs> You're not touching that one. You're not. Um, Jalen Ramsey's a guy you just traded two first round picks for. You're going to, you would be, at this point, you're investing in him. You're not letting him go. There's no way you're letting this guy go. I mean, the Rams would have so much egg in their face that they let him go after losing two first round picks for him. Um, he is a $13.7 million hit next year. They can cut him if they want and get 13 mil back, but that's, that would be absolutely a yacht. They could trade him too if they want. But they, again, they just traded two first round picks for that's not going to happen. Right. So that takes us to the top part of the Rams pay structure. As Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, and Jared Goff. I'm going to do something a little bit different here. I've been going up numerically. I'm going to go to Aaron Donald first because. Just to give you an idea of, of what he does to the salary himself, and he's not to the cap, the structure. His contract was six years for $135 million. He had a guaranteed at signing of $50 million, whole guaranteed of $86 million. There is a potential out for him, for the Rams to get out after 2021, where they would have an $8 million cap hit. And then in 2022, after 2022, they would have zero on a cap hit. So let's just say Aaron Donald slows down hardcore after the year 2022. They can cut him no losses, straight up. Okay, but what that means is their guaranteed money is being was front loaded here. So the 2020 contract coming up, their dead cap hit is 41 million dollars. Their overall cap hit is 25. So if the Rams want to trade him or do anything with him, by the way, which we all know they don't want to, right? Mike, that would be categorically no, insane. not at all. Okay. But let's just say no they're way. entertaining these things, okay? <laughs> if right. the Rams, by chance, were to trade him before June 1st, remember, his salary is $25 million next year. He would be a dead cap hit of 24 alone. By trading him. Post June 1st, they can actually save $17 million of the cap by trading him, but they would take an $8 million cap hit in 2020 and a $16 million cap hit in 2021. There's no way on earth the Rams are going to take a cap hit by trading the possibly the best defensive player in the game. So Not happening. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little weird that we would go over this, but I've seen a few people suggest trading Aaron Donald, and they're categorically insane. You're not going to do that. You don't trade the best player in the game, especially when his contract's front-loaded, and it's hardcore front-loaded. His contract, in my view, is harder to trade than Jared Goff's is. We'll we'll talk about his in a minute. Brandon Cooks, this is a tough contract. He carries a $21.8 million dead cap. It does, however, go down post-June 1st. And this is where the potential is if the Rams decide they want to move him. Again, 21.8. Right now, if the Rams want to move him, if they release him before June 1st, they will actually be accountable. They will lose $5 million in their cap space. They're underwater. They would lose a million extra dollars. So they would still be responsible for his 
his pay and dead cap, all of it, if they trade him or release him before June 1st. But, interestingly enough, if they're really, really desperate to get rid of him, they are able to trade him for a cap savings of $12 million if they trade him post June 1st. They get a four point eight million dollar cap hit, thirteen million dead cap. Mike, I have a question for you. Is that something you'd be willing to do at this point? Have you lost faith in him, or do you want to keep him around? Yeah, uh, right now, that's a lot of money, little production. So it's going to be have to be some serious meeting of the minds because you're still not going to get away from not getting tackled. And we all know from all the uh, reports and just things that have talked about us regarding concussions, all those things is the more you get, it's easier to get the next one. So I believe he's had, what, seven or eight? I have him at six. I think he's had four as a Ram and two prior. Four as a Ram. Well, yeah, let's just say it's six. You know, I mean, you're talking now, you just get a regular tackle and you now can be out for three or four games. You know, we're not even talking about a big hit. We're just talking about a regular tackle, let alone the mental aspect of a guy that is afraid to, uh, you know, get hit. You know, I've, I've known even a player in high school, he had like two concussions when he was like a freshman and didn't want to play any defense because he felt like he was more likely to get a concussion. And this is a high school player. You know what I mean? And I guess, you know, a little bit younger, that makes maybe a little more sense. But yeah, for a guy that's making the type of bread that a a guy Brandon Cooks is making, it's going to come down to strictly production and the amount of money. You can't have a guy with no production, with that much money being used up. Well, part of the problem, too, is the Rams misused him this year. And part of it was, I I mean, I know, I know, I know. We've seen nothing, but the Rams give up the least amount of sacks this year. You know what? Start giving Goff some credit there, too. For as much as we criticize Goff for holding on the football, Goff also got rid of the football a lot, sometimes too early. Okay? The Rams stopped going deep and they were having no Brandon Cooks little 5'10 Brandon Cooks going across the middle getting that kid killed Goff got him one of his concussions remember that crossing route he took that's yeah. on Goff yeah okay alright are you serious this guy is that's what the whole reason you went and got him was as your verbal right. threat and you're not sending him deep anymore yeah and it's, it's always interesting because if you think about it Absolutely, that's why they got him. The things he did well for the Saints, right? And the things he showed flashes of. And again, that's why I think we've agreed early, even early as the preseason, that, man, the offense doesn't look right. Something is doesn't look right, right? And so when you look at some of the routes that were going on and things like that, you know, even that hit, as you bring up about Brandon now, uh, that's a Higby you know, tight end type of route. You know what I mean? They're going to go in there and mix it up, take a hit. But, yeah, you're not really sending those guys on those undercrossers unless you've already set the deep game up and now you hit the undercross where it's wide open. 
but exactly. And so the Angels, I think, botched that up. I think they really did. And um, you know, that's the real concern there. They have to get these guys open deep, no matter what. The, the yeah, sorry, the Rams just really struggled in that area. And if they can reopen the deep game more next year, then the entire offense around it will. The, the Rams frustrated me offensively for a couple reasons, and one was because they give them the deep game so easily, but B, at the end, they, they let teams box them in as well and really force them inside. And they, they stop moving outside. They stop the jet sweeps. They stop with uh, screens for the most part. And, and, you know, I know the offense was better, but like that, there were so many times when they gave up. And, and like, dude, why would you do that? You had holes there. You fix the running game. Throw deep more, spread the field out, you're back to who the Rams were. And a lot of that was just decision making. I feel like the Cooks will be fine, but with the money involved, is it worth the risk if you can get Josh Reynolds going? Man, it's toughy. Now, question is, uh, and I don't know how I missed this, what type of turf are we having in the new stadium? I believe it's grass, right? If it's natural grass, yeah, it's tough. I would hope. But if it's not, man, you may have to really think about it because it would create definitely more speed. Cook's used to doing that, Saints. But natural grass, hey, maybe Josh Reynolds more or less. But, yeah, that's what you're talking about. If you've got Josh Reynolds who can give you, let's call it, 80% of what a Brandon Cooks could give you, I mean, that, then it becomes a no-brainer. Okay, so no, it, but, it, is, it is artificial. It's going to be field turf. So field turf, you know, a little bit harder landing, even though a lot of field turf is really well put together now. It's got much more. But, and it's uh, going to be one of the best in the world. I mean, it's going to... It should be, you know, but still, uh, it's not going to be natural grass. So that being the case, yeah, you're going to have to think about the concussion thing a little bit. But again, you made a great point. It depends on what route you're running to. So that's why it'll be interesting, like I said, to just be in the the meetings that uh, Coach uh, McVeigh and, and Mr. Sneed will be having along with, you know, Mr. Demoff in regards to, you know, what's going to be the offensive game plan. I mean, that's going to play a big role into how things go because, you know, most O-linemen, they'll tell you all day long, man, we love to run block. We can just get after a guy and go get him. Pass blocking puts you a little bit more on your heels so if they're absolutely going to go back to more of we're going physical run game, you know, we may see that line really starting to excel. So now when they have to pass block, they have a little bit more of a, an advantage because you're getting gassed on the run. I mean, uh, just the field itself, you know, the field turf they have today is a lot softer than anything they've probably had before. You know, it's got a rubber underneath it that's, it's not the cement you played on, thank goodness. By the way, you play. <laughs> we all acknowledge that you play on freaking cement in the Astrodome, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was not fun. And I really want to go back. I, I, early part of the episode, we talked about that too. I really, when we first had our interview, when you came on as a guest, 
These are questions I wish I would have asked you about. We we gotta do that again. Get just into the the eighties, nineties. What the real nitty gritty of the football game? I'm gonna say yeah. For though, with the dead cap for for, it's hard to th- imagine though letting this guy go and saving twelve million dollars in the dead cap. There's a there's a dead cap. There's a potential out. There's a potential out next year in 2021 as well. And I'm wondering if they kind of buckle down in 2020, take a shot, knowing that there are guys who have outs in 2021, 2022, if they want to, they want to do something. Cook's a possibility. Todd Gurley, he's got a $25 million dead cap hit right now. And his dead cap hit, though, breaks down to where the Rams can save $13 million total if they trade him post 6-1. But you really want to trade him before 6-1. The problem there is you you would take on a 12.6 dead cap this year and only save $4.6 million. If you could right. somehow... So you need to have him on the roster June 1st and then trade him afterwards. By then, there are already other guys you're trying to trade or move, it would be kind of pointless after June 1st to trade him if you're trying to re- find replacements on the roster. It, it kind of seems like the Rams just have to take their medicine this year. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> you mean that cast for all medicine? No, yeah, I mean, yeah. And then, yeah, it, and yeah then, I, I mean... It just doesn't, one, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to try to destroy whatever camaraderie, cohesiveness that we have as a team. You know, as much as you want to keep things together, you know, you want to do that as best you can. However, they all know what, more importantly, we know there was injuries, we know, you know, articles like, hey, you know, games we could have won by these field goals in the short games. Uh, we lost those kind of tight games where we won them the year before. We get all that. The idea is, can you come back? The question is always, can you come back with the same unit? What would be different? Yeah. Here's the thing. And and therein, go ahead. I want to bring this up, too, because I'm, I'm looking at Jared Goff, and I don't think people have looked deeper into his contract. Jared Goff's contract is hardcore front-loaded. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's good and bad. The reason why it's good and bad is it's hard to move him this year. Like, if they trade him... Before six one, they're going to still take a twenty million dollar dead cap hit. They'll save sixteen million dollars, but they'll take a dead cap of twenty. If they wait until afterwards to trade him, they'll take a dead cap hit of five this year and fifteen next year, but save thirty one million dollars. But if they're patient with him and get his get his act together, his contract was front loaded. His overall pay drops. Throughout the contract, from thirty-two million dollars to thirty point five to thirty, and then his last year at twenty-six. So at age twenty-nine years old, he'll make twenty-six million dollars a year, where other guys have signed contracts to be sitting at forty-five. Now, of course, they'd have to resign after that, but maybe at that point, age thirty, 
you're saying, hey, um, let's keep this contract down like Tom Brady does because I want to win. Who knows? But well, if that do they go that route, then more more likely than not, he will get a new deal. You know, after the twenty. 2022, 2023. No, they typically don't make a guy like Jared play out his contract. You know, Russell Wilson did it, but then they had to finally pay him. But typically, by the year 2023, they're going to know what they have or don't have. So they're either going to re-up him then, or they're going to be dealing him. But what I'm saying is, is there's a chance as... the because every year his number's going down, the cap's going up. No doubt. And right. that's giving the Rams more movement. And this is what Tom Brady saw. And this is even what Peyton Manning saw a lot was, hey, you know, if I don't go blow up the, the salary cap, we can pay people. And that's right. kind of what I'm hoping he'll see if he develops. Right. So, I mean, Jared Goff is so talented but so frustrating you can, if you're the Rams, you can get out of this right now this year and and just take your medicine in 2020 and just deal all these guys if you want, own up to mistakes if you think they're mistakes, and start fresh in 2021. But that's also pointless because you don't have the draft picks in 2021. The first round pick, if you're going to deal these guys, take your medicine, then what's the point? I mean, if you're going to try and trade somebody, if you, if you like the um, the idea with Tommy on that crazy thing where he said, go sign trade uh, Teddy Bridgewater and trade Jared Goff. It sounds insane until you look at the numbers and think, well, if they were sold on Teddy Bridgewater, they could probably make it happen. But if they don't and they just get rid of Jared Goff, then who they got? They don't have the first round pick that we get in their quarterback. Not that you need them these days. Lamar Jackson, second round. Um, Dak Prescott, fourth round. Russell Wilson, third round. Well, I just got to believe. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, we're no first round pick. Technically, Jalen Ramsey's supposed to be our first round pick. Yes, yeah, yeah, got it. The second round pick, it's the 20th pick. So it's the 52nd overall. I have to believe at the 52 person spot pick whatever you want to say I have to believe they're still going to be a quality player so especially if we're going to be looking at an O-line position there should be a great player to 52 overall pick they're going to be looking offensive line defensive line or edge where they are right probably right I mean that's right because you figure we should be we should be somewhat set in the secondary. You know now maybe you want to add some depth depth in maybe that fifth or sixth round, but you figure you got some young guys there, right? Uh, again, well, we, did we circle back on Weddle on is he staying or going? Well, I think I think they're going to cut him. So they're going to. I mean, they have room to cut people. I think they'll cut Weddle. I think they'll cut. I think they'll probably cut Matthews if they made the call to to re-sign Lilton or or Fowler. They're, I think they can only get one of them. They they're going to be very limited. It, like I told you, they, if they cut if they cut Roby Coleman, if they cut 
Matthews, and if they cut, who was the third one again? I'm already losing track here. You cut Brown if you if you really want to. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't Brown, do it. and you. We, we talked a little bit about and uh, Weddle uh, Everett. So, and then Everett, you won't cut him. You'll you'll trade him if you're if you're going to do anything with him. So you're going to right. you're looking at roughly uh, just the numbers together. Four point five, four point two five. That's eight point two five. Matthews is three point seven five. So between twelve and thirteen million dollars. If you just cut them alone, if you trade Havenstein, if you trade a couple of our guys, there's movement there. I, I have to think that the Rams will make those moves, and I, I really kind of favor this. I don't want to do it. I favor looking to get some other veterans cheap to fill some gaps and just taking your medicine with this pay next year instead of instead of hemming yourself up in years later with dead cap money if you trade after 6-1 dead cap I mean you can't really trade after, after before 6-1 because your dead cap next year is going to pay anybody so I just kind of favor them just, sit, just keep your guys give one more shot with your veterans because I don't know that you can trade them. You got to ride them. I think Todd Gurley, you and I can both agree he's not the same guy. If you give an open field, he can run just as fast as he did before. But that initial burst isn't there right now. They got they get an open hole for him. Okay, D. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. All right. Okay. What's happening next year? The Where are negotiation. Going to be playing. SoFi. What's that? SoFi. They're going to be they're going to be playing in a new stadium, right? Yeah. So does that cost money or no? Does it cost money? Yeah, as far as now you got a new building. Hey, man, we got to make sure we got people in the seats. Well, those type of things, right? You know full well that Tommy said he put down 15G <laughs> right. to go. I mean, okay. <laughs> so what I'm asking is this if you stick with the same program, and you end up a nine and seven team again. What is that going to do? Are people going to go? Oh man, see, same old Rams, da da da, a bunch of hype, nothing to follow through. You know what I mean? So GM, let's need. This is the stuff they're thinking about. Man, we got to make sure we got people in the seats to pay the bills. Oh yeah, and we can't go nine and seven again because that means we're probably not going to have people in the seats so if we just bite the bullet in 2020 then what does that mean actually for 2021 well i mean but listen if they're able if they bite the bullet in 2020 you're still going to have people there especially since you're selling out your pcls that's, that's your main you're going to have a set of people there with the pc psl sorry i'm to me, one, if the Rams are just exciting next year, if they can at least fix the offense, they may ha- if they have some holes in defense, fine. But if they can be exciting, fans will come. Okay? True. If you can be exciting in this new place, fans will come, and they'll have hope for the next year that you can fix a couple holes in defense. That's probably where I'll be thinking. And, well, I'm thinking go to the Super Bowl no matter what, but I'm thinking... If worse comes to worse, make sure your offense is fixed, that you're in every game with that offense. And then defensively, if you have a couple holes there, there's going to be a couple holes there. We'll figure it out. Just get 
through next year, and if Todd Gurley isn't movable, is isn't able to do what you need him to do, then you can you have more options with him. At that point, Daryl Henderson should be what we think he can be. We saw we saw flashes, and we knew what he was coming out of college. He might be able to take the job. So there are other things the Rams can do. I just think it would be highly problematic to blow everything up because you had one year that didn't go your way, which was this year. And by it not going your way, you still went nine and seven. So now I'm going to bring you back to a question on Mr. Johnny Hecker. Does that become a cap casualty? Because you could save close to 3.5. No, you wouldn't. You'd only save 1.2 this year. For 2020? For 2020. His dead cap hit is 3.5. That's his dead cap hit, so you'll only save 1.1. If you wait until... I mean, you could trade him. Who wants it? But who's going to trade for a punter? True. So I'm, I'm just saying, if you want to free up a little cash, go with a guy, second year guy, guy out of college. Uh, but yeah, that's I mean, yeah. I was misreading that. So maybe you're not gonna. Yeah. You may you may do it um, if they cut him. It's probably 2021, right? Or 2022. Look at 2022. I mean, this is a yeah. future. I mean, yeah. it's weird me saying this, but this guy's a future Hall of Famer as a punter. He's been that yeah, good. Yeah, it should be. This year was just again. This whole year was kind of weird. So maybe it's just a weird year. You know what I mean? I mean, it, the, to me, it's if you can develop an offensive line and get these guys run blocking, then a lot of this stuff comes together. We we talked about Sean McVay and how Sean McVay had all these problems, but the reality is Sean McVay was not able to do things the way he wanted to because he didn't have a running, a, a running game to rely on. I mean, that's just the truth of it. And, and if so, if you can fix that, the offense, with the development he did in 12 personnel this year, they should be even more, they should be even better. They should be more able to handle what teams are throwing at them. This is my view. But hey, we. I mean, this is probably the, been the deepest we've gotten on the cap for a while. And we actually had some feedback about how we've been a little bit, shall I say, kind of having to go through some fodder to get here. Well, we, we want to make sure we got you guys some knee deep stuff, some real analysis. Hope we did a good job of that. If you have any questions, make sure you email us or hit us up on Twitter. We're also for sponsors for next year. We need them. Got to stay alive. So got to stay functioning. You can reach out to us at ramstop 1945 You can also leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Mike, any final thoughts for the evening? And we've run pretty long, but it's been a good show. Man, it's been a good show, man. It, it The more you look at it, the more it's like, wow, man. You know, that's what the guys get the big dollars for because you're trying to move pieces and keep the quality and skill level at a certain level so that you can be competitive year in and year out. Uh, but with hardcore numbers, uh, it can be difficult. And that's what we hear about the cap casualty. So overall, man, I'm, I'm excited. I think we will have uh, plenty to go with. There are going to be a few hard decisions. We've talked about a few of those. Uh, but I think overall, we're still in a great spot 
We just got to make sure we make the right decisions at the right time. All right, on my end, I'm just thinking at this point maybe it's time to ride it out and just see how things go. Um, say what you can, get get the necessary guys signed up for next year and so on and so forth, and maybe 2020, post-2020 is the time when you start making changes. We'll see. Uh, but with all that in mind, folks, you can find us anywhere, anywhere on Twitter or Talk Rams. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Mike at 1Do23. We're available anywhere podcast can be found for the entire Rams Talk team. This is Derek C. Paul saying, we're out of here. But for Mike and the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Paul saying, we're out of here. We'll talk to you midweek. Peace. See you then. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.